Welcome to Executives at the Edge, a podcast brought to you by MEF. I'm your host, Pascal Venezes. Join me as we explore thought-provoking perspectives from the leaders and changemakers who are propelling enterprise digital transformation forward. Well, I'm really excited today to have Mauricio Sanchez, Senior Research Director, Enterprise Networking and Security Market Research for Del Rural. Mauricio, welcome to Executives at the Edge. So exciting to have you here. It's been a long time since I've really seen you talk to you. Looking forward to seeing you at one of these conferences. But if you could, for our listeners, please um, just talk about your background and really about Del, Or Del Oro to begin with. That'd be really great. Well, first, thanks, Pascal, for uh, having me uh, join you here uh, today. Again, my name is Mauricio. Uh, I've been here at Delora for three years, and Delora is a, a quantitative market research firm based out of the Silicon Valley. We've been around over 25 years and really set the standard when it comes to quantitative market tracking, so market shares, revenue estimates, uh, be able to tell where markets are going. And uh, I happen to own a pretty wide swath of technologies covering uh, the enterprise networking outside of the campus and data center, which I've got colleagues who covered that. So when it comes to the to the WAN, SD WAN uh, on the enterprise, that's uh, that's my bailiwick as well as all things uh, network security. So uh, you can buy networking security. What do you get? Sassy. So I've I've, uh, I've been um, known to uh, in the marketplace to to drive a lot of sassy research. My own background has always been in networking security. Um, as curious as that may sound, I spent 17 years at HP doing um, both of those and then four at, at Intel. And, and I came over to, like I said, in the lower three years ago. And again, really happy to be here and, and hopefully be able to impart a couple pearls of wisdom to your listeners. Well, Mauricio, you certainly are a rock star in Sassy. We see your name everywhere and uh, got a lot of questions on Sassy for you. But I do want to talk about, you just said, I think you just said that you released the NAS report. Is that correct? Uh, yes. Before we start recording, I mentioned that I, I published my first research into the wonderful world of NAS because uh, NAS is such an overloaded term. So maybe first is kind of quantified the way that, that I defined it for the purposes of my report. Um, in the broadest context, it's, it's being able to consume network services in the similar fashion that we've gotten accustomed to consume cloud services, right? So IS and, and, and PaaS. And, and um, the way that I see it is that inside the enterprise WAN, there's transformations afoot on the WAN edge for the user edge. So we're going to probably talk about SASE in that, in that regard. That's kind of where I fit SASE in. There's also a very interesting things happening on the cloud edge, the application edge, which I also tracked. Um, and and um, when you get into things like multi-cloud networking and being able to stand up network services very quickly. And last but not least, I think there's a reinvention happening in the middle mile. Right, kind of the core WAN enterprise networks are um, moving in a direction again of, of going from static uh, enterprise class routers with MPLS to, again, uh, network services that are on-demand, subscription-driven, but definitely than compute as uh, now consumed in public serv cloud service providers. And so you put NAS on top of that. That's kind of how I then look at NAS for my particular report. But like I said, NAS is overloaded and perhaps means slightly different things to slightly to different people. Well, I think network as a service in general has been around for a decade, but 
I think it's evolved now to become more relevant in the era of clouds, where back then I think it was all about network connectivity. And I think network as a service is to have that cloud-like experience, as you talked about, elasticity, on-demand, full automation. Um, and as you described, you know, I think what we're seeing is this emergence of the first mile being some kind of wired or wireless internet loop, if I view, you know, uh, mainly DIA, you know, dedicated internet access, and then hitting an edge. And from that edge, you pick up all kinds of services, including SASE services, SD-WAN. Mm -hmm. Then you hit the middle mile. And interesting you talk about middle mile. That's a very interesting way because we don't go on the internet any further. We're now on a business network, the middle mile network. And that middle mile network is, middle mile network is now connected to all kinds of clouds directly mm -hmm. with direct connects. So the, there is no internet anymore. The only internet is that first mile loop. Do I have that correct? Do you see it the same way? Yeah, absolutely, right? Some people call it engineered internet. Uh, other people uh, call it the, in, the, in the words that, that, that you use. So you're absolutely right, is that, that uh, it, these overlaid logical networks that uh, provide extra services beyond just the pure connectivity that we came from. And you see NAS encompassing all of that, but you you didn't talk about NAS in the campus itself. We're seeing NAS now. NAS actually emerge as the totality, not only from the cloud, the middle mile, and the edge, but now into the campuses with Wi-Fi, private yes. 5G, and LAN. So that totality is now becoming NAS with cybersecurity built in, with the connection to all the multi-clouds, with all that underlying underlay transport, and then even with SD-WAN, traffic steer that application performance. So all of that is how we're defining NAS inside MEF, including with the whole ecosystem and certification, as we'll talk about our global NAS event oh, that, in October. That that makes perfect sense. You know, the only reason I didn't touch on campus because that's that's my counterpart. So here at the lower we split it across two um two analysts. So I cover the 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 from the WAN edge to the cloud uh, or or the outside the campus. But you're absolutely right that that this is a spectrum that that encompasses the entire enterprise network, and, and in some respects, um, you can look at our reports and say, okay, the, the sum of what we report as being the the, the opportunity uh, in the campus, together with the sum that I then built for the the rest of the network, is kind of the total NAS market. And, and I guess for the viewers that haven't seen that that press release, I said that over the next five years, from 2023 to 2027. The cumulative spend across these three theaters that I described is going to approach sixty billion. So it's a it's a it's a very um, uh, going to be a very lucrative market for the vendors that are able to get into that space. Did you say six billion or sixty billion? Sixty. Oh, sixty. That's quite a quite a nice nice chunk of change. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, and so look, hey, Mauricio, you're the sassy guru out there. Uh, see your name everywhere, <laughs> the rock star. So talk, tell, talk, right, talk, I play one on TV. <laughs> <laughs> but, and so yeah, so yeah, talk about Sassy. So what, what, what is really, what is Sassy, and why is it necessary? Well, look, let's let's take a step back and 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 uh, you know understand what's been happening um, before even Sassy came afoot, right? It's like the, as a term, and the. Enterprise WAN, particularly on the branch and the smaller branches, uh, we started to embrace software-defined networking 10 years ago, which was S what became SD-WAN in the mid-2010s. Uh, uh, at around the same time, on the network security side, and, and going back to the late 2000s, uh, 
the network security architectures have been about hardware appliances. That was the classical approach at the internet gateway, uh, that the sticker appliance. And one of the ones that became quite popular were secure web gateways to protect user traffic. And as things evolved over the 2010s, you know, those, those appliances started to move into the cloud. So kind of the, the instance, and you know, I, I paint, I use eScale as my example because they were one of the first vendors out there to do this is to take what used to be a network appliance that sat on-prem, delivered it as a cloud service by instantiating a cloud that then you connect to, and it does the security scrubbing. Now, as we, the pandemic came into view, you started to see a couple of very interesting uh, challenges come into, into view. You had the uh, hybrid work as an element that all of a sudden, or maybe better said remote work, because we were all working remotely during the pandemic. So the enterprise workforces were sent home and, and everyone needed to work from home. And that caused all sorts of pain because uh, enterprise network architects or network teams weren't ready for that. And uh, and so that caused a whole um, commotion. And then uh, at the same time, applications became internet hosted, which meant that when you're on the branch, you know, for whatever small community uh, was going to the to to the to the branch uh, still, or more so now post pandemic or in this post era, post pandemic era, as people return to the office, now all these applications are being pushed to the internet, right? Because we were doing things remotely. So you had these two two large inflection points or, or kind of or accelerations of trends that were already probably happening in the, the remote work and the fact that applications became much more internet-based and, and moving to uh, being cloud, uh, some some form of a, of a setting off in the cloud. And so um, the, the remote work you know, caused this uh, attention to security and being cloud delivered. And then the cloud applications themselves then caused, hey, we need to transform our branches and our network architecture to be able to, to, to do this um, more effectively, more productively, because home running traffic to the to the uh, headquarters and then piping out the internet just doesn't 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 work any longer. And so you had these two worlds that kind of smashed together during the pandemic and say, well, we need to have networking security come together because the workflows make perfect sense. I got to protect users. I got to provide connectivity, regardless of where they're at. I got to make sure my branches, wherever they're stood up, need to be, have, be performant because I need to applicate my applications are no longer on prem. They're often in the cloud. And so this kind of set the perfect stage of this marriage of network and security, which we have now blessed as SASE, right? So in, in the most fundamental terms, I would like to describe SASE as being the, the combination of SD-WAN class networking together with this cloud-delivered secure web gateway that has now transformed to a number of different security services on top to come together in service of that distributed set of, of uh, users off on the internet, as well as distributed branches the need to connect to the cloud applications that uh, now run the the enterprise. So let me stop there because I've probably said a lot. <laughs> no, actually, it was brilliant, brilliantly said. And actually, it is exactly the truth of what's happened. And I just read an article in SDX Central uh, about a multinational explaining exactly your points of views and why they went to SASE. Now, now the question is, you know, how do you know you're secure? Like. I don't know if you know this, MEF is coming out and we're launching it at GNE, our global NAS event in Dallas. We're launching out the beta of our SASE program, certification program. So what we've come to realize is that many enterprises don't know how they're secure. 
So our certification program will be one of the finest and first in the world that will actually validate subscribers, enterprises, when they subscribe and buy a service, whether it be from the vendor or from the service provider from anywhere, that, you know, are you secure with a score? And that security is always being updated on a continuous basis, meaning they're testing continuously as a CICD process. And it won't just test to MEF standards. It'll test, you know, for the threats, whether it be exploits, evasions, malware, it'll test for application performance, the proper classification of the applications itself, um, and even, you know, uh, performance and scale and all that kind of stuff. So I think we're we're really looking at SASE to becoming, as you talked about, a underpinning for NAS. It, it, it's truly is an essence of the NAS that makes NAS modernized, where the old NAS was just about, you know, network connectivity, the underlay. The more modern NAS is just not the underlay, but the overlays yep. with multi-cloud coming together in a fully automated way. And the first question I, I remember reading this article is, this multinational had to test the SASE service itself. That is a massive feat to figure out if that SASE service is going to secure them as a multinational. That, to me, that's, that's ludicrous that some customer has to go and find out how well the security <laughs> posture. What's your thoughts on that? No, I, well, it, that's not a new problem under the sun, right? The need to have independent verification of solutions has existed from uh, nearly the beginning of the security industry. And, and so I'm not surprised. And, and uh, I applaud the efforts of any organization such as MEP to, to go after and, and be a beacon of, of independence to be able to provide some, some little validation. So I think that has always been part of the picture when it comes to the cybersecurity industries is that there've been outfits to do independent verification. I think the difficulty with SaaS is because it combines uh, both the networking and not just the security and, it, and it's um, a, a much uh, more complicated environment. And, uh, but from a value proposition, I'm not, uh, I think any, any company is going to go through, through that thinking about, Hey, how do I verify that what I'm buying is actually what it is doing, what it says it's said it's doing. Yeah, and if you think about, you know, when we buy today, you know, TVs and Wi-Fi's, and there's always a certification that's kind of branded that gives me a level of confidence that I don't have to think about or test or worry about, but either interoperability or will perform right. And I think what's been missing, and I think, you know, if you look at the SD-WAN market just by itself, it started about, what, 2012, 2011, we can argue. Mm -hmm. um, about 10 years, and really isn't really gone to the $80 billion markets over 10 years. You see mainly, you know, MPLS and Ethernet technologies back then. It's probably three, four, five billion. It's not very much. That's 10 years later. I wonder, I think SASE is going to be caught in the same problem. And I think the reasoning is, you know, what standardization does, it creates a great baseline level playing field to create everybody with confidence to jump in and then allow everybody, every other vendor and provider differentiate on top. And I think SASE is going to face the same challenges if there's not going to be a level of confidence in the market. Um, any thoughts on that? Oh, absolutely. I think that the, the, there's without a question, anytime you introduce change and uh, in how something is architected or operated, it always takes longer than you expect it to. So I, I, I think the efforts, whether it be security certification or conformance testing or standardization, ultimately help 
to be able to adopt. And, and uh, I think uh, off in different conversation, I've, I've said to you, I'm a big, big standards believer, right? Because I think when the, the standards at the right time allow that, that uh, buy-in by the larger uh, community to say, okay, this is, this is a standard way of doing things. And then when I buy it, I, I have certain expectations that it's going to be interoperable. It's going to work. It's going to do what I think it's going to do. So, so in general, um, I, I think that's just a, the cycle that these industries will have to go through. And I think coupled with generative AI and how it's going to turn on us, I mean, of course, it's used for good, but also used for bad. And, you know, these threat actors and state-sponsored threat actors, and I've been, you know, working with a lot of generative AI, and it just, it, it just confounds me how, how advanced this technology is. Good. And yes. it's now going to be used in cybersecurity, both for threat, you know, models and also threat actors and, and also to protect ourselves. So uh, do you think that, and I just saw a great article, I won't mention the vendor talking about that they, there's like 500, there's burnout in cybersecurity professionals. They're getting 500 false positives that they have to go look at, yeah. you know, or 500 alerts a day of potential threats that they have to look at and figure out it takes them on average, I think, you know, 30 minutes to an hour to figure it out. They're walk, they're burning out. They don't know if they've covered everything. And I think they're moving to the, can we get this to real time? Can we use machines to at least get rid of the noise and figure out where the signal is? And I think that, you know, more and more as we see, I think, in my opinion, this is my personal opinion, that we are already in a cyber war with many, many state-sponsored nations, and the warfront will not be in physical space, it's in cyberspace. And the, the, and the infrastructures of the operational technologies like our pipelines and our ship lines and our grids, if they go down, there's massive confusion in, in, in society. So, um, you know, I'm probably pointing to some gloom and doom here, but I just love to hear your thoughts. I thought we were gonna happen like, on a nice note. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I love the nice note. Just, but but we have to get on top of this, and I think that's the key point. And and so my my thought, final closing with you: Where does generative AI fit into the whole SASE model, and will it play a predominant role in protecting our society? Oh boy, that's like asking where is the world going to be in twenty five years, Pascal? I I think it, the if I gaze into my crystal ball, I think there's already some some uh, what I'd say low hanging fruit in terms of improving. The utility in the administrative um, ease of solutions, and no differently with be SASE or network or security. And by that, I mean is building interface with these natural language um, class of of questions is it's amazing. I've seen some of the the, the, the demos by some of the vendors uh, about being about what they are able now to do with uh, the, the, something like the 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 similar models that are used by ChatGPT. But I think we're really only scratching the surface. Because it, 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 to your point, no one's really taken uh, yet. How do we spin all the telemetry that we have to be able to build an AI model that can do exactly what you, what you just described at, at scale across um, many classes of, of network te and security technologies? So I think uh, we will see over the next five years a lot of innovations. Of course, the hype cycle is probably a little bit uh, running hot right now. But in the near term, the 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 administrative um, improvements that are already starting to come into view, 
because of using AI technologies. In that alone should be, uh, I think, something that that all network and security administrators should be jumping up for joy for. And beyond that, I think there's still a lot of runway for us to take advantage from AI. Totally agree. Mauricio, always a pleasure to talk to you. Always love love our uh, you know our back and forth and our brainstorming and um, and great insights from you. Again, thank you for joining us on Executives at the Edge and look forward to you at being at the Global NAS event in Dallas in early October. And uh, we'll certainly have some good drinks and a great uh, dinner there, that uh, awards dinner, which I know you were a judge of. So looking to see what uh, who are the winners there. So thank you again. Thank you, Pascal. I look forward to it.